0: I'm going to start a new series, just a short series, only four weeks long this morning, and I've and, um, been excited about it. It's been rattling around in my mind for a while, and so after Easter, I was wanting to kick this off, and that's what's going to happen today, but in the process of it, you're going to see that I'm a little bit conflicted. So just hang with me as you see some of that conflict. I'm going to ask you to hold on to your Bible this morning. We're going to open it together, but it's not going to be until the end of the message. Now, we're going to look at a lot of Scripture prior to that. But you just hold on to your Bible because there's some things that I'm going to want you to see firsthand, not up on a screen, but right there in your own Bible. But it's going to take us a little while to get there. Now, this series has to do with some subjects that for 30 years of ministry, I have addressed over and over and over again, usually sitting in my office, but I have preached on all three of these at different times. But for the past several months, I'd say probably four to six months, it seems like all three of these areas are under pretty significant attack. And I've spent a, a good amount of time, as I know Liz has and Deni has, talking with people about all three of these seasons of life. And so I just wanted to show what the Word of God has to say about each one of them, particularly when they come under attack, when there is conflict attached to them. Now, the three seasons that I'm talking about are marriage, parenting, and aging, growing older. I've had a lot of conversations lately about all three of these seasons, and so that's where this was coming from. My initial goal was just to be encouraging, to use the Word of God to encourage people in whatever season you happen to be in. And that was really focused on those three, but if you're in a different season, I wanted to use the Word of God just to encourage you as you face the challenges of wherever you happen to be in life. And so I I sat down right before Easter, and I I started putting the messages together, and, and this is where it began. I was putting a list of Scripture together that I have titled, In Every Season of Life. Now here are five of the passages, there are more, but here are five of the passages that I pulled out of my Bible just to show you what God's Word has to say about every season of life. Here it is. Trust in God. We need to trust in God no matter where we're at. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in God. Number two, pray about everything. doesn't matter what season you're in. Pray about everything. That is just good medicine. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Number three. Ask God for wisdom and discernment. That is something in our prayer life that many of us overlook, yet it is taught in Scripture. No matter what season you are facing, you ask God for wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Number four, open your Bibles. Now, that's not a surprise to those of you that know me. I believe the Bible speaks to nearly everything we will ever deal with in life. So open your Bibles and go looking for answers. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And then number five, seek godly counsel. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. Now, that one resonated with me, particularly because people were coming to seek counsel. And they were doing that not only with me, but with other people. And there is good wisdom in that. So I started with those five passages of Scripture, understanding that they apply to wherever we happen to be in life. And there's great encouragement in those five passages. But once I finished putting that together my preparation took a a weird turn. It just took a weird turn. Now, remember, my goal was to be encouraging, and this weird turn seemed to drift away from encouraging. It really did, and I wasn't sure what to make of it. That's where that conflict came in in sermon preparation, so I pushed pause physically. I just was like, I got to stop so I pushed pause and did something that I do from time to time. I knew what my goal was, and I thought I had lost my way, so I just went back to the dictionary to find out if that was true, if I lost my way. So I looked up the word encouragement, and what I discovered is that I had not lost my way, but rather I had found it even within the conflict. Let me show you what I'm talking about. There are two definitions to the word encouragement. Maybe you didn't know that. Here's the first one. The action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. Most often when we think of encouragement, that's what we think of. Giving someone support, confidence, or hope. And we do that through our words. We do that through listening. We do that often through simple presence, just being with somebody so that we can support what they're doing, maybe bolster their confidence, and oftentimes even show them that there is hope in whatever situation it is that they're facing. And oftentimes, this definition of encouragement isn't given to us to lead people through a particularly difficult season. We will utilize this just to strengthen people when they're standing on solid ground, just to help them out but there is a second definition of encouragement. This is from the Oxford American Dictionary. Both of these definitions are contained there. Look at the second one. Persuasion to do or to continue something. Persuasion to do or to continue something. When I put those two definitions together, I realized that even though I wasn't thinking in this particular light as I was preparing, the words that were coming out, the things that were being written, didn't seem like where I wanted to go initially. They were where I needed to go. And both of these definitions work together. They work together. Sometimes when we are encouraging people, we're building them up. Sometimes when we're encouraging people, it's our words that are going to drive things forward. But there are times in the realm of encouragement where we have to persuade people to do things, whether that is to stay the course or to change directions. Oftentimes, these two definitions can work symbiotically. They will work together, but sometimes we have to separate them out and choose which one we're going to utilize. This morning, I'm going to separate them out a little bit. And I had it illustrated perfectly for me in a conversation I was having on Friday. I was talking with a man on the telephone. He was telling me about a conversation that he had had with his wife. She was facing a physical challenge, something that was going to push her beyond some limits. And she asked him what she was going to have to do to reach her goals. And he said to her, and this is perfect, he said, which husband do you need right now? which husband do you need right now? And she said, I need the honest one. Now, fellas, you know exactly what I'm talking about here. When he said, which husband do you need right now? She said, I need one with solutions. Sometimes when your wife puts a challenge in front of you, that is not the husband she needs. Shake your head yes, if you know what I'm talking about. Not looking for solutions. She was looking for solutions, and she said, I need the honest one. And he said, then you're going to have to push a lot harder than you've been willing to push if you're going to achieve your goals. He was still encouraging her. He was persuading her to do something different than she had been doing before. That was great encouragement that came through honesty. So that's some of my conflict, but the definitions of encouragement helped me understand that I had not lost my way. I had found it. And I'll show you what I mean. This quote pops up on my social media feeds on a fairly regular basis. I don't know why. Maybe it's because God needs me to see it. Maybe it's just because it's powerful, but it circulates around quite a bit. And I have seen it in the last month, probably 15 times. I like it. It challenges me. I know it does other people as well, and maybe it'll challenge you. Here it is. Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your hard. Obesity is hard. Being fit is hard. Choose your hard. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your hard. Communication is hard. Not communicating is hard. Choose your hard. Life will never be easy, it will always be hard. But we can choose our hard. Pick wisely. I don't know who actually said that, but there is some great wisdom in it. Now, again, I was telling you that I was conflicted as I was putting together that list of five passages and some others that I showed you just a few minutes ago. Well, laid over the top of that was this quote, and that's where a lot of my struggle was coming from. Because in these three seasons of life that we're talking about, marriage, parenting, and aging, I kept thinking about this quote And I'm looking at Scripture to balance it out. I'm looking at Scripture to help undergird the quote, but then thinking to myself, this isn't very encouraging. And my goal was to be encouraging. Let's go back and look at those definitions of encouragement, and you'll see the conflict once again. Number one, the action of giving someone support, confidence or hope. Doesn't seem like that quote really accomplishes that. But when you take definition number two and place it alongside the quote, you see how it's encouraging. Persuasion to do or to continue something. Choose your heart. If you're facing difficulties in whatever season you're in, choose your heart. Sometimes there are difficult things that we have to do, there are tough decisions that we have to make. Choose your heart. We all want to take the easy road. It's not always the best road. Choose your hard. And it may shift your track just a bit in some of the things that you are having to deal with, but let your track get shifted. Choose your hard. Interestingly enough, I have discovered that medical researchers are actually diving into this right now, right now. They are diving into this idea of choosing hard Rather than trying to figure out how to medicate life to make it easy, medical researchers are saying we may very well have to choose hard in order to get some things done. I know that because I was digging around to find some help for a man that was dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder. We know it as PTSD. So I was just looking for some resources when I came across this interesting teaching that deals with choosing hard. Now, I would pronounce the researcher's name for you, but I would butcher it. So I'm just going to let you read it at the end of the quote, but take a look at what she says. As Ella Fitzgerald once sang, into each life some rain must fall. And while we can't control just how much it rains, we can make a decision. Let ourselves get wet or break out the umbrella. The rain, of course, is the challenging times that we all face. Medical diagnosis, divorce, job loss, even just navigating the teen years as a parent. And while it may not seem like it at first, something positive can come from the experience. We have a choice in how we respond to difficult times. We can shut down emotionally and let ourselves become hardened by it, or we can grow from the experience. The choice is ours. But sometimes, sometimes, we have to choose our hard. Which one do we want? Now, it's human nature and particularly American nature to say, I don't want the hard choice. I want the easy choice. In marriage, I want it to be easy. In parenting, I want it to be easy. In aging, I want everything to come easy. I just want the easy paths. And we'll do often whatever it takes to get on the easy path. But my friends, the easy path is not always the good path. And dare I say, the easy path is not always the godly path. Sometimes, sometimes God wants us to choose His heart that we might arrive at the right places. Friday, I sent out a letter. I do that at the end of most every week with just kind of an idea of what we'll be looking at on Sunday morning. this last week I included this quote. It bears repeating. Here it is. Here's the thing. Life can be easy. People choose to do what's easy every single day. In fact, I'd argue that people choose to do what's easy in life more than they choose to do what's hard. After all, it's in our nature. We're wired to follow the path of least resistance. But choosing to do what's easy now doesn't last. In fact, in almost every case, it only makes life harder later. So while life can be easier from choosing the easier options, the truth is it's only a temporary easier. Experiencing the hard in life is not a matter of if, but a matter of when. And take heed, hard now and hard later are not created equal. And again, I don't know who the author is of that, or I'd share that with you. But I want you to listen to that last sentence again. And take heed, hard now and hard later are not created equal. They are not. And most often when we choose the easiest path, it will lead to hard consequences. So we have to choose hard early if we want to experience the easy later. Reverse the two, and challenges will always wait for us. That's true in marriage, it's true in parenting, it's true in aging, it's true in nearly every season of life. And that's what I want us to look at over the course of the next three weeks as we take those three seasons, marriage, parenting, and aging, we're going to look at what it means to choose hard in each one of them. But I want you to rest assured that Scripture speaks to choosing hard hard. It really does. So, this morning, I want to show you some more Scripture that deals with this that is encouraging by nature. It gives us strength, confidence, support, and hope. And these Scriptures will persuade us to do even the most difficult of things. I'll walk you through them real quick. Take a look. Here's number one. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is a promise from God. Isn't that encouraging to know that God says something so emphatically? That's a promise from God. Here's number two. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Man, that's this encouragement for you to tap into the Holy Spirit as much as you possibly can because when the Holy Spirit is in you, you're going to accomplish things that you could never accomplish without Him. So tap into the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's number three. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. Now, I love this one because the writer of Hebrews is going to kind of flip the nickel back on us and say, once you know what the heart is, stay with it. Once you know what the heart is, you confess it over and over and over again, and you hold fast to it. Don't let anything move you. You hold fast to it. Take a look at this one. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Again, this is a promise from God. We don't have to shrink back. We don't have to run from difficulties or from challenges. Even in seasons like marriage, parenting, and aging, God gave you a spirit of power. Move forward in it. Move forward in it. Be bold in it. Because God goes with you and His Spirit walks with you, Every step of the way, great promises in Scripture. But here's the last one that I want to share with you today. It's found in Isaiah chapter 43. Why don't you open your Bible so you can see it with me. Isaiah 43, verse 1. We're going to kind of hang on this passage as we go through this series. So you might want to highlight it, underline it, put a little star by it. Maybe move the marker in your Bible so that it's right there in Isaiah chapter 43 and you can come back to it often. If you memorize Scripture and everybody should memorize Scripture, this is a good one to memorize. First one. But now, thus says the Lord. Now let's stop here for just a second, do some Bible study. Who's saying this? Okay, three of you got that. Who's saying this? All right, now we're up to six. Let's try over here because you guys seem to be lagging behind a little bit. Who says this? The Lord. Lord. All right, now say it boldly. The Lord. There we go. But now, thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now, that's a promise from who? The Lord. You see three different illustrations of God saying, I will be with you no matter what challenge you face. I will be with you no matter what difficulty you are confronted with. I will be with you. You can trust that. Initially, when I was reading that passage and working on today's message, I wanted us to go back to the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, and I was going to show you Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the way that God honors this promise. And I'd thought about even going to Daniel in the lion's den and saying, look at how God honors this promise. But then, in the midst of all of my conflict, trying to find the right encouragement, I thought, those are not the passages I want us to go to, because remember, we're talking about marriage, parenting, and aging, and so I wanted to find somebody in Scripture that illustrates beautifully this promise found in the book of Isaiah, and I found myself turning to the New Testament, to a familiar man that we all know. His name is Joseph. I would tell you that he took this passage from the book of Isaiah and he applied it in a very real way in marriage, parenting, and I even believe in aging. Listen to what he does with it. This is Matthew chapter 1. Why don't you turn there with me as well? Go from Isaiah 43 to Matthew 1. Matthew records it this way, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly, now here's a challenge in marriage, Most scholars would tell you Joseph and Mary were not yet married. They were engaged. They were betrothed. And so, difference in cultures, they were considered married. But the marriage ceremony had not taken place yet. So Joseph said, huh, okay, that's what's happened. Well, I'm done. I'm out of here. And then God meets him in the water and in the fire. But as he considered these things, verse 20, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife. He knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So he applied Isaiah 43 to marriage right out of the shoots. All right, Lord, you can go with me, then we'll do it together. All right, God. And so the Lord walked through that fire with him, and he wasn't consumed by it. And then he applied it to parenting. Some of the most difficult parenting anyone could imagine. And at the same time, the easiest parenting. He was raising the son of God. But Joseph did that with God's promise in mind. And then as he aged, we don't know what happened to Joseph. Something happened. Tradition says that he died somewhere after Jesus turned 12 years old. We don't know what happened. Nobody does. Bible doesn't tell us and history doesn't tell us, but Joseph died. But he died with the Lord. He finished strong. No question about it. He finished strong. Isaiah chapter 43 helps that whole process for all of us. If we will simply apply it. Even as we face challenges and difficulties. If we will apply it. But it all begins with understanding. Let's go back to Isaiah 43. These words. Fear not. For I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Joseph got to be a part of God's plan for redemption, bringing his son into this world. And that's the fulfillment of this passage in Isaiah chapter 43. Jesus was the redeemer of the entire world. And if he has called you by name and you are his, then you get to hold on to the promise. That he will go with you no matter what. Through the water, through the river, through the fire. He will go with you. So whatever challenge you face, whatever difficulty you are up against, God says, I'll be right with you. I will be right with you. I'm watching some of you shake your head, yes. And I know some of the fires that you've walked through. and You know the promise. You've experienced the fulfillment of it. Because you have been redeemed. You are a child of God. He has called you by name, and you know His presence. Some of you are wondering how that works. Well, this morning, we'd like to help you understand that. We want you to know who Jesus is. We want you to have that type of relationship with God. And some of you are just thinking, I'm in the thick of it right now, and I don't know if I'm going to make it through. Maybe my marriage is struggling. Maybe Maybe parenting is harder than I ever imagined. Maybe this process of aging is its just not what I bargained for. And I don't know how to get through it. Well, you do it with the Holy Spirit within you. And that happens when you give your life to Christ and accept Him as your Savior. When you listen and hear God call you by name and you respond. So this morning as we Close out our service. We want you to know that God cares about whatever season you are in, and we'd love to pray with you about it. If you're facing challenges, we would love to pray with you about it. If you want to know who Jesus is, we would love to introduce you to him. We would love to introduce you to him. So, right after the service, our prayer room is going to be open. Deanie will be over there, he'll meet you. Make sure you get paired up with somebody. Our elders will be there. If you want to pray with one of our elders, go pray with one of our elders. If you want to pray with one of our decision counselors, go pray with a counselor. If you just want to pray by yourself because the challenge is too much, you go pray about it. If you want some scriptural help, you go talk with somebody. If they don't have the answer, they'll find it, and they'll keep praying for you and with you. Take this opportunity to take a bold step to find what it is that you need. In the coming weeks, well, next week, we're going to talk about marriage and some of the challenges, and hopefully you'll find encouragement. Then we're going to talk about parenting, and then right after that, we're going to talk about aging. I hope you'll be here for all of it. Why don't you stand and we'll pray together? Father in heaven, choosing hard is. It's hard. Easy just seems so appealing at times. But choosing easy oftentimes leads to hard consequences. You tell us that. All the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, you you tell us that. There's blessings when we choose hard. And often there are curses when we choose easy. So help us choose heart, that we might, we might live in the blessings that you have for us. So we look at each of these seasons. I pray, Father, that you'll guide us through this. And I pray that as we see truth, we'll hold fast to that truth. As we listen for what we need to hear, I pray you'll open our ears. As we look for what we need to see, I pray you'll open our eyes. And for those that need you for the first time, I pray you'll open their hearts. And those that need you, maybe because it's been a long time, I pray that you'll remind them that you called them by name and they are yours. I pray, Father, for those that will accept the opportunity to make their way to the prayer room today. Father, meet them there. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.